Hello and welcome to a special edition of the D1 Baseball Podcast. I am your host, Michael Patrick Rooney. And today's edition, we're going to really focus on our good friends at S2 Cognition. You can see I am joined by the great Tim Corbin, head coach of the Vanderbilt Commodores. And we've also got two of the founders of S2 Cognition. If you're looking at the screen in my bottom left-hand corner, I've got Vaden Landers, who's the CEO of S2 Cognition. And then upper, we've got Scott Wiley, who's the COO of S2 Cognition. So gentlemen, top of the morning to you. How are we doing? Great morning. Thanks for having us. All right. By the way, Scott and, and Vaden, this the S2 swag and logo, very strong work right there. As someone that <laughs> yeah. took a lot of pride in baseball uniforms, well done by you guys. Thank you. Yes, very cool. Hey, guys, as we as we kick off, I, just a, for an agenda for the call, what I want to do is I want to help the listeners learn more about S2 Cognition. Vaden, when you and I spoke earlier, if I was being really honest with myself, gun to my head, I'm not sure I know what the word cognition means. We're, we're going to talk through that. I'm, I'm certainly not, not the only one. Hopefully my dad doesn't hear me say that. We'll, we'll talk about what what is S2 Cognition. Corbs, I want to get your take on what, what's been Vandy's experience with, with S2 Cognition. And then, and then we'll also talk about, which I think is the real purpose of this, is, hey, S2 Cognition has become a real player at, at the MLB level and at the Division One level, the college level. What about the youth level? What about the, the next generation of player? How can this help? Hey, Aiden and Scott, and, and Vaden, I'll start with you first. If you don't mind, if you, give us a quick background, your background, and what brought you to S2. Yeah, you gave me a little too much credit in the in the intro. I am not a co-founder. I'm just fortunate to be here. Scott and I have known each other for a long time. We used to go to church together, and I, I knew Scott when he started this business back in, what, Scott, 2014? Yeah when you guys were getting started and and so followed him from afar and I know he's followed my career from afar as well and he reached out to me about I guess it was October November of last year and updated me on where they were with the business the fact that they were in the midst of a CEO search looking to scale the business I had recently left a public company that I was running in the payment space which is where I spent the entirety of my 35 year professional career since since I was 17 years old was in the financial technology sector, running payments businesses and starting and founding payments businesses. And we just had a little get together for lunch. Scott told me where the business was, where it was going, was their vision for taking this product into the youth sector. And obviously we all know on this call that there's so many opportunities in that world. That's where the numbers are, right? Think about the millions and millions of kids that are playing sports, not only baseball and softball in this country, but others as well, where S2 has an assessment that it's able to administer. So it was a very interesting conversation. I, I wasn't certainly looking for a job when Scott and I got together. Initially, I resisted a little bit. We spent November, December, much of January together thinking about strategic plans. And I just fell in love with the business and the concept as a former athlete myself, I played baseball in college and there's not one athlete that, that I haven't talked to. And I'm sure Scott can share this story as well. That, that hasn't said, man, if I only had that when I was playing and I'm, I'm one of those guys too, it's the, the information that the S2 assessment brings to the table for athletes, coaches, parents is, is invaluable from my perspective. And so I, I had to jump on board. Love it. Scott, you, you being the founder, go ahead, give us your background. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll give you mine and the, the other co-founder, Brandon Alley. We've been friends and colleagues since 2011. We're both cognitive neuroscientists and we met actually, we're on faculty in the neurology 
department at Vanderbilt. And we've spent most of our careers in academic medical centers. Brandon's specialty is researching brain systems involved in how we process visual information, how we attend to visual information, tracking visual objects that are moving in space, how we rapidly extract details so we can recognize what we're looking at and or distribute our attention across a big visual scene to keep track of where multiple targets are moving. And uh, my background has focused more on the action side. So I've studied brain systems involved in how we time our actions, how we start, stop, redirect our movements and our actions, how we control impulses to react in ways we don't want to react or bite too soon or react too soon. And baseball would be um, swinging at pitches you don't want to swing at. And, and so we, we got together, just had a, a casual conversation. It's not a really fancy or sexy story, but we were just talking about some of the vernacular and terms used after the NFL draft in 2014 to describe athletes. And every sport has it. Guy, guy's got a nose for the ball. He plays faster than his foot speed. Great field vision. And we started talking about how these, these what we're describing are really differences in how these athletes' brains are wired for split-second decisions. And when you talked about cognition, I mean, that's that's what really we're, we're talking about, how the brain processes information, makes slow or fast decisions, and organizes our action systems to behave in ways that help us reach goals or to optimize our performance. And in the NFL and football, it, it, you know, the bar was pretty low. They were using, they're still using the Wonderlick, which we know is a paper and pencil bubble sheet task that measures something correlated with, with IQ and, 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 you know, having a good IQ or book smarts is probably helpful for complex schemes and some of the, the more abstract concepts across sports, but you use a very different set of brain systems when you are a hitter, for example, in the batter's box and have less than 400 milliseconds four tenths of a second to process what pitch it is, where predict where it's moving in space, organize your motor system to swing or not swing, when to swing. These things happen so fast, historically in sports, it feels like you just see and react and they haven't really been quantifiable aspects of athlete performance. And so we, we, we just saw a need to use some of the best tools from the cognitive sciences and neurosciences to provide coaches like Coach Corbin and, and players a way to gain insight into the unique ways that they process information that could help explain the exceptional things they do and maybe the, some of the struggles and the problems they run into as an athlete when they're performing. And that, that really was the genesis. And then we started meeting on the weekends and drafting this out and had some opportunities to get in with actually LSU football was our first week. We visit LSU every year and test their players and it just snowballed, got into baseball very quickly. And, um, and here we are. Love it. So if you're a listener, my immediate concern is I definitely have the lowest college GPA on this call. So for the listeners that maybe are, are feeling overwhelmed by some of the, this is, this is really cool. I'm going to help you listener. Yeah. I got your back. Cause I'm not going to let Vaden and Scott talk past us. Hey, Corbs, let me, I want to get your back. I think everyone that's listening that follows college baseball knows your background, but I want to ask, I want to ask you a question in this way. So I, I think of you as a teacher at heart. And there was a point in my career where I was a high school teacher and coach and I'm teaching algebra two trig and 
it, it was the era when they introduced graphing calculators. And I remember thinking I had just gotten in a good groove as a teacher and I'm thinking, man, this sounds like a nightmare. This is the last thing I need. I just have now gotten my classroom into not being a complete zoo. And now I'm gonna have every kid looking at this, these incredible calculators that I, I don't understand. It's a long way of asking this, Corbs. I think you at Vandy, you guys have embraced technology from the jump. You were on the, the forefront of the concept of pitching labs. And I, since I do consider you a teacher at heart, I, I, the question is why? Why have you guys been so open-minded to these types of things in your program? It's not because it's the next best thing. I, I think what I've always seen technology as is if a coach or someone like Vaden and Scott can can show that this tool or this instrument is of value to the student athlete if it's not so complicated that it will bog them down if we can understand it and we can apply it to them and help in the development of of the the, the kid then i'm all for it I, i've always felt and our staff knows this if it's if it's going to help the kids and if it's going to benefit the program i want to do it I don't want to do it just because someone else has it, though. I, I think you can get caught up in doing a lot of different things because you feel like you're overmanned or overmatched based on school A or school C having a certain instrument that, that you don't. I want to see true value in it, and I want to see, I want to be able to understand it. We want to be able to understand it, and we certainly want to, there's the with the application of it, we want to see some development of it. But I think from a yeah, you're right. From a teaching standpoint, and you've got the remedial teacher here that you included in this conversation to help the viewers. But the way the way I've always seen things is through the lens of a teacher rather than a coach. It's just being able to not so much instruct, but to to give kids resources and to be able to help help them with these resources to benefit them and for them really to be their own coach inside of the environment. So resources like this, I met Scott and Brandon because of our Vanderbilt connection. And although they're neuroscientists, both Brandon and Scott have backgrounds in athletics, Scott being a former baseball player, Brandon be, becoming a former runner. But I, th I think also the conduit of meeting Paul Phillips, knowing that I coached Paul, Paul was a coach in, in really listening to him along with the group really helped us take this instrument and take this tool and apply it towards our team. Love it. Hey, Vaden and Scott, let's do this. I'm never going to understand neuroscience. I don't need to understand neuroscience. But <clears throat> what I want to do right now is let's paint it. But I think myself and every listener would recognize that, yeah, like hitters in particular, they got a lot on their plate, right? This is, there's a reason why you hear that expression that it's the hardest thing to do in sports, hit a baseball. So let's try to paint a picture for the listener. What is S2 cognition? What, what, what does this look like? What, is it, what does it feel like? It, it, if, you can, if you can do that for us. Yeah, Scott, maybe I'll start and let you make, to make it a little, little more complex than I'm going to try to make it. Because as a non-scientist on the team here, it was important for me to be able to come in as a business guy and understand what is this really at the heart of, of the matter and, and for me, it just boiled down to what what I see coaches and players and, and parents being being one myself, my son, both my sons played baseball and, and I was their coach. And we, I think we've probably all done that. And, and what we what we get to work with is what we see happening. Every tool that's out there is based on 
getting some data on what is what is happening or has just happened and what s2 does is it tells you what's about to happen what's going to happen based on how your brain is wired and how that's going to translate to human performance and for me it was it was really helpful to understand that and and so i just break it down into everybody out there today is working with lots of the scene what you can see with your eyes and what s2 brings to the table is what you can't see what's going on up here that is causing you to do certain things like people chase pitches for different reasons people do things athletically and in human performance for different reasons and s2 is a great way for you to in a 20 to 45 minute evaluation understand what that is exactly you know if you're chasing pitches you just can't lay off and you see that your impulse control is very low you're going to have an aha moment at that point in time. So that that's how I really dumb it down. And, and Scott, I don't know if you would have anything you would add to that. No, I think that captures it. I've, I've got an 11 year old dude who plays baseball and, and he'll swing at a pitch up and out of the zone or chase something. And it was fine. It was a good swing, but it wasn't the pitch that, that was going to lead to a high probability of success. And, and so you, you're stuck because you don't know what he was seeing, how he was processing it. He may have <clears throat> saw it perfectly well and knew it was going out, but still couldn't resist that urge to go after the pitch. And so what the S2 assessment does is allow you to break down and, and gain insight into the decision-making aspects. It's just one piece of the puzzle. And you can, you can swing and miss it a pitch because of mechanical and physical reasons or because your, your timing is off and the brain is responsible for when you decide to swing and where you decide to swing at, at, at a level that works in tandem with your physical attributes. And so it's, it's, it's helping coaches and players understand the why underlying their successful aspects of performance and the, the mental mistakes or the tendencies they, they tend to make that can create some problems on the field. Yeah. And, hey, and Cor- Mike, Oh, go ahead. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to add, Coach Corbin mentioned Paul Phillips, and Paul's been an invaluable resource to me since joining the company back in February. And, you know, what, he says something that resonates with me and everybody that I, I've heard him say it to or I've said it to. So you could have two two athletes that are doing the exact same thing or have the exact same problem. And it's, it's one of one could have a stomach ache, the other one could have a headache, but you're giving them both aspirin. One of them is going to get better. The headache's going to get better. The guy with the stomach ache's not going to get any better. And you're just going to assume without this knowledge that the guy just can't get it, can't get there. I can't tell you how many times when I was coming up, coach would be yelling and screaming at me, you know, why can't you get this? I've told you this a hundred times. Why, why aren't you figuring this out? And after I took this test, I, I knew why. <laughs> yeah. And and we, because of that, I have this passion to to be able to bring this to kids at a very early age because look it's it's one thing that when they get to Vanderbilt and they start working with someone like coach Corbin but when they're working with their mom or their dad in the backyard or their coach or their instructor at the facility or whatever and they're all trying to help those kids become the best version of themselves you want them to have every bit of information that they can have when they're concocting that formula that 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 cocktail if you will of what's going what's it going to take to get this kid where where they want to be most importantly where they need to be yeah yeah, it's I, I, there's so much good stuff that I hear you guys saying. I think about my favorite hitting expression of all time, Ted Williams saying that, hey, I'll take a bad swing on a good pitch to hit over the best mechanical swing in the world on a bad pitch to hit all day long. And I think every coach, every baseball coach has heard that, but it's 
hard to make that statement actionable, but we still spend oodles of time on the result or exit velocity. We spend oodles of time on making bodily adjustments. And, and I like you guys use the word assessment. My inclination then is that, hey, assessments can be done over periods of time. We can see not only is an assessment really important for di as a diagnostic tool where to your point, Vaden, you can instead of just throwing anecdote at something, let's figure out what the actual symptom is. Let's figure out what's really going on. But then we can do assessments over the course of time and see if things are improving or what direction we're headed. So let me let me turn that to you, Corbs. What is what's been your guys' experience at Vandy with this? What what have you you all seen? I think it's it's getting information that like Vaden was saying, if you if you go to a go to a doctor because you've got symptoms, then the doctor's prescribing something for you. He's prescribing something specific in order to help you. And I think with a with a coach, oftentimes you've been around long enough and you've seen a lot of players and you've categorized a lot of players and movements in your mind, you can you can visually see certain things and say, okay, I think he's at this point right now, so I'm going to give him these set of drills. I think what happens is, and you mentioned exit speed, a, a well-struck ball or a non-well-struck ball or an exit speed is an outcome. But leading up to that outcome are all these small little processes that happen within an approach to getting in the batter's box, to making a move to the ball, to actually moving on the ball and, and what, it, what it looks like. And inside of all of that is these small things that happen. And with, with their group, they, they basically have it in four different buckets when it comes to actions for a hitter, whether it's visual processing, and I know this is on their website, but rhythm and timing, motor control, and then your, your ability to instinctually react to something. And I think when, when you start to understand where a kid is efficient or deficient, then you can say, okay, that makes sense. That, that's why he doesn't move on a ball, or that's why when he does move on a ball, he can't check off on the pitch. He's going to go through with it no matter what. There's a yes, yes mechanism to him, but there's no no. There's no stopping. And the information that they give you back is specific to why the young man is acting a certain way inside of the pitcher versus hitter event. And it could be something like pitch recognition, which to me, it's is he a good reader of the ball? And why is this person a good reader of the ball? Their ability through neuroscience to put it into words and, and, and an explanation gives it a whole lot more clout than I ever could have as a coach. Scott and Vane, let me, let me follow up on the assessment concept. Is there, is there a recommendation for you? Like in my mind, there, you do an assessment, you're giving someone like Corbs a ton of information to go on, but there, there's drill packages. What's the next time to do an assessment? Is it annual or what, what, what do you, is there a recommendation that you guys have as far as that goes? Yeah, the, uh, usually when you use an assessment, you're using that assessment as your benchmark for improvement. Our assessment though, it works a little bit differently than that, that typical strategy. Our assessment is, is kind of, it strips out the baseball information is looking at an athlete's capacity for, for how they process rhythm or timing or their impulse control system. And they'll take their, their systems and they'll apply those systems into whatever sport they play or whatever environment where they got to make quick split second decisions. 
So the assessment really is a, a window into where their decision systems and how their decision systems are operating at that moment in time, at that age. And the brain will continue to develop. Got to see the junk I put my 11-year-old through. His brain at 11 is going to be very different than his brain at 13, at, at 16, and then at 18. And when we get into our late teens, early 20s, things really slow down. There's still some systems in the brain that are fine-tuning into our early mid-20s, but the rate of change isn't that great. So our evaluation, we recommend once a year. Mm -hmm. And as a benchmark of improvement, we throw everything out to the onto the, the 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 information, the insights gained from the S2 evaluation tell you where you need to concentrate your effort. But the effort and the training has got to be done on the field and the improvement needs to be on the field in the game of baseball. It, you don't want to get better. Let our test naturally track the, the maturation and development of your brain systems as you age. But ultimately, every player, every coach wants to see the player get better on the field. And so our our goal is to use the, the evaluation to give direction to where on the field and in the game of baseball you need to focus. And then the improvement should be baseball specific performance and metrics. Yeah. Gosh. So let me let me transition you guys to what we really I think this is a perfect place to focus for the end of, of this podcast. The, the question you guys have, have developed a great presence at the MLB level, like we mentioned, certainly making a big impact on college baseball. What about the, the, the youth players? What about the players that 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 want to they aspire to play at the next levels? And I guess I'm thinking of two different sets of players. I, I grew up in the Northeast like Corbs did, and you're playing every sport. And I'll never forget this feeling of it's like February or March and baseball season's coming around the corner. And I pick up a bat after playing football and basketball and indoor track and all that stuff. And I literally have no idea how to swing a bat. I'm 13 years old. I have no idea what air quotes my swing is right it's okay you just you're figuring figuring it out annually so there's that kid and then even for these kids that do play a lot of baseball more than we played in our generation they're they're changing right like their 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 physical maturity is changing their emotional maturity is changing yeah why don't i start with you vaden and, and scott what where where how can we apply this how can this help the youth player and just to piggyback on what Scott was just saying, the natural inclination for a young person to take this test and get their score is to immediately say, how do I, how do I get better? Uh, I want, can I come back and take it next week and see if I did any better? And we're not, we're not measuring something insignificant here. We're measuring how your brain's wired at this specific point in time in your life and your development, developmental cycle. And so it's not like you can just take it and then come back and take it again and guess your way to a better score. It's just not going to happen. So whatever score it is you get at whatever age is who you are at that point in time. And then the, the idea to Scott's point is to help them understand how do I train low impulse control? How do I train low perception speed, low trajectory? If I can't see or predict where a pitch is moving and going to cross the, the hitting zone, how do I get better at doing that? How do I get better at recognizing the pitch out of the hand? And that's the, that's the information that's that's valuable and gold. It's back to that whole diagnosis. You got to understand what's wrong with you before you can figure out how you're going to get better. And so that that's really the the key point in terms of wanting to get it to these young players earlier. Because if you know this at 13 instead of 
18 or 19 when you're walking on campus at Vanderbilt because you have all these incredible physical gifts that have attracted guys to you if you and are leveraging your brain hardware to continually improving your performance on the field. The, the coaching staff's going to be able to put the best product on the field. They're going to get the kind of results they want, you, them, and the organization. And so that's that's what we've seen. And that's what's really driven us to to want to bring this to kids at a very early age. And so we we started to build out a, a pathway to making the the S2 assessment more broadly available to young people. And that started really with the technology. We had to adapt our technology from a highly specialized laptop device that we use in, with these collegiate programs and professional programs that requires one of our staff members to go out and sit and set up a bunch of these systems and administer the test and observe the test and make sure that they sit and talk with the coaching staff about the results after those tests have concluded. You know, that that's not scalable. You, you can't do that millions of times, right? That just takes too many, too many people, too many resources. So we started trying to adapt the system to a platform that we could scale. And, and we did that. And we announced that we launched the technology, the new platform called S2X earlier this year, which is effectively the S2 assessment on an Xbox platform. And the, the reason that we did that is A, cost. B, we're able to get the same results with millisecond level precision that we were able to get on our laptop devices. And we weren't willing to roll this thing out until we were confident that we we're going to be able to do that. And then once we got the platform created, we started going out and partnering with these training facilities where these kids go. We go to their coaches. You got you to go where they are. You can't go to them one at a time. You got to find, find out where are they organized in bunches. And it's obviously these training facilities. And it's also tournaments, camps, combines, showcases, all these events that college campuses are putting on around the country. And and that's that's one of the ways that our partnership with our collegiate partners is, is expanding. And not only do we want to partner with you to test your roster and make sure you guys have information on these kids that are on campus, but we want to also get all the kids that you're bringing onto campus, whether it's through a recruiting visit or it's through a camp or some other showcase that you're running. Let's get all of those guys, too. And then you'll have the benefit of that data. And they'll also have the benefit of that data to help them through their development recruiting process. Yeah. Scott, what would you add to that as far as yeah. I, I'm trying to picture myself as a parent as a, of a 13 or 14 year old? What, what, what do you see as the benefits to the youth player? Yeah, and this is this has really been something we spent a lot of time thinking about. And there's a few points, quick points I'll, I'll make. We spend a lot of time on the physical and the technical aspects of of the game at the younger levels, and for obvious reasons, you've got to be technically skilled, mechanically sound. You got to be physically developed to to play the game of baseball, especially as as you move up the ladder and the levels. But we, there's there's really been a neglect of kind of the decision-making aspects of the game, which when do those become more important? As you move up the levels and the speed and the complexity of the game, the the, the pitching becomes more challenging. And, and it, we've talked to players that played in the big leagues and they universally say a, a similar thing that, hey, everyone up here physically gifted has great, great swings. It's those who can make better, faster, more consistent decisions that are have an advantage. And so you're, you, you take a kid that's 12, 13, 14 and start working on the decision making, you're preparing them for the next level. I think the other thing is, is there's such a, a premium put on the physical attributes that, that and, and they can carry athletes for a while. And I, I think every sport has examples of, of 
you know, recruiting or drafting players on the basis of being enamored by their physical attributes only to have them really struggle at the next level because they weren't able to make adjustments and be flexible and think quickly. This, this, this allows us to root for that player who may be delayed or late in their development physically, but has incredible cognitive skills, makes good decisions in the box, makes good decisions on the field. You may be, I'll be curious to hear what coach Corbin thinks about this. You've probably seen some players that were late bloomers, late developers, but boy, they just, they had a knack for the game of baseball and their decision-making. We see this in football as well. Athletes are just always in the right place, the right to making up for their foot speed with their decision speed. And so as I'm thinking about parents and young players, preparing them for the next level, you're enhancing their skills, you may be taking advantage of their strengths while you're waiting for some of the physical attributes to catch up, there's there's lots of reasons to start this at a younger age. Our brains are a little more malleable. Mine is on the downward slope. And these 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 cognitive drills, I'm not going to get much better. But 11-year-old, yeah, you, you can see. They, they can make better decisions. They, you, you can train those things. I oh, love it. Hey, Corbs, let me, and feel free to, to piggyback on anything Vaden and Scott just said. But I guess my question for you would be, these youth players in theory, are going to become Vandy boys, right? These are the kids you're going to be coaching. So my thought is, does this benefit a program like yours because you're, you're coaching a better player? Is it benefit you because you've got more information to coach this player? Maybe this player knows themselves better when they get to you compared to some of their predecessors. Yeah, what, 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 as far as the player that gets to you at Vandy, how does this, how does this benefit that? I just think it gives more credibility to what you're teaching more than anything else, because I think you're all, whether you're a young kid or a kid at Vanderbilt, because of what you visualize, you're, you, you all, you're all pointed towards a better outcome. You want an outcome. And I think the outcomes for a lot of kids are looking at a box score and where the box score may not be reflective of it all. It may be reflective of the day that you had in helping your team win, which is fine, but it, it may not be reflective of really what, what's happening. So it, it's more about, they both spoke to the decisions and choices and really in life, that's what it comes down to, right? And it's the choices and decisions that you make during the course of the day that move you towards the trajectory of where you're going. And when it's applied to baseball, it's really the quality of what you're doing inside of that event. And if it's if it's making a move to the ball, then it's just understanding what you're doing to make a move toward, towards the ball and whether you're doing that on a consistent basis and moving in a trajectory of, of positive activity, I think more than anything else. But I think what all of this information does is it, it helps in the teaching process and trying to get a kid more towards the quality rather than the outcome. When we're chasing the outcome, we get lost in the weeds very easily because we we get on a, a hit tracks machine, we get on a, a, a radar gun, we, we see, okay, we're imparting a lot of energy to the ball, which is producing 105 exit speed. That's great if you can touch the ball, but if you're not getting to the middle of the ball, then what good is 105 exit speed? So it gets down to, pitch recognition. It's about reading the ball. It's about, is my is my timing, am I centered on what I'm doing? Am I able to block out other things when I'm in the batter's box? Is my timing, am I making the right body adjustments so my barrel and the ball can sync up at certain times? So 
I think it leads us more towards that. So for, for us, yeah, I, I think it's, it's a tremendous teaching tool, but I think what it does is it allows you to teach with words and application to kids that understand, especially a Vanderbilt kid and maybe a Notre Dame kid too. Right. That's right. That's man. You look at my fantasy football record. Or you want to really get an example of overthinking something. The, Hey Corbs, let me, I wanted to follow up on another point. You, you get the assessment and it's not as a coach. It's just, Hey, here's the assessment. Go get them. It, you, you mentioned the phrase drill packages. I'd love for you to expand on that. We, we've got an assessment. Now, what do we do about it? What, what have you seen as far as working with S2 and their team? And that, 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 that expression drill packages really resonated with me. I think it gets down to really focusing and centering on certain drills that are going to be geared more towards the, where the, where the deficiency is, whether it's a, if it's a pitch recognition thing, then you're going to do different things, maybe with the ball, or you're going to toss differently, or there's going to be more visual training done with a kid. If it's a rhythm and timing thing, then you may adjust where the plate is and where the contact is for the kid. If it's a motor control, motor control situation or a distraction thing, then you may end up going more towards approach-driven drills or two-strike drills. I think it just depends on where the deficiency is. I think where Paul has has come, Paul Phillips has has helped me personally, is just the ability to talk through some of those drills and then come upon another drill that you haven't even talked about. Because Paul's played, he's played at a high level. He's coached at a high level. He He's thought a lot, even as a professional coach, he was a college coach and professional coach. So he spent a lot of times with a lot of different people, a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of different minds. So there's certainly a teaching package that might fit certain kids that might not fit another. But I think it's the ability too with Paul, he's, he's very creative and he's very curious, like all of these guys are on the call. So we're able to move in different directions on drills that may suit a kid and go, I haven't thought about it that way. That might be a good drill for this kid to help him in this regard. Mm, well, that, that's great. Really good stuff. Hey guys, we every week on our D1 baseball podcast, we 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 uh, we read the S2 cognition. We have a read, right? It, the, the moniker, if you will, S2 cognition delivers a revolutionary approach to helping athletes understand how in-game decisions impact their performance from youth levels all the way to the professional level. And so, I, I really appreciate you guys' time today because I, I make that read every week, um, and it's logical. But now I feel like I've got a picture. Now I feel like I've this. I'm trying to put myself in a coach's shoes, and boy, this feels so much more actionable. It's it's great stuff. Vaden and Scott, for you guys, just as we wrap, certainly you guys are are taking S2 cognition to the youth levels. But you can't be in every every place at at every time. What what if if people wanted to seek you all out? What what do they do? What how how can people reach out to we, you? We we just put a new page up on our website, Mike. That it's the retail lab page, and it mm-hmm. lists all the facilities across the country that we partnered with so far, as well as a handful that are coming next where you can go inside of a building at a training facility and take the assessment. We also have a mobile lab page where you can find out where our mobile testing lab is, which is a 28-foot fully enclosed trailer with 15 testing stations that we take around to tournament venues 
and going to college campuses and different places where there are hundreds of kids at any given time on any given one or two or three day period of time where we can administer large numbers of tests. So the easiest thing to do is check out the website, find out which retail labs are open and, and offering the test now, find out where the mobile lab's gonna be, or just reach out to us via the website on the contact form, and we'll figure out a way to get you the information you need and help you get access to the test. Awesome. Very cool. Hey, guys, I really appreciate that. This is this was super fun. And Vaden and Scott, I know I speak for everyone at D1 Baseball. We're, we're really appreciative of our partnership with you all. And again, really have enjoyed this. Corbs, great to see you as, as always. And gentlemen, have a great fall. We will catch everyone on future podcasts. And that is it. We will talk to you next time. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bruins. Thank you all.